Do you believe that God loves you, church? Yeah. You know, the love of God is unlike anything else. The love of God is greater than anything else you're going to find in this world. The forgiveness, the redemption, there is good news in Jesus. For he loves you no matter what. The love of God is unconditional. You know what that means? It means God's love for you is not based on what you've done. If it were based on what you've done, do you think you'd be capable of being loved by God? It's not based on what we've done. We are, we, are, we are in desperate need of the love and grace and forgiveness of God, and God freely offers it to us. Praise the Lord. You are loved by God. You are forgiven of your past mistakes. You are redeemed. You are a child of the risen King. His name is Jesus. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for your life. He wants to bring you restoration. He wants to restore Hallelujah. All right, I need everybody together. I need all of you to say this. And I need you to say it from your heart and not from your mind. I need you to say, I am forgiven by the King. On three. One, two, three. Amen. I need you on three. I need you to say, I am loved by the King. On three. One, two, three. And lastly, I need you to say, I am redeemed by the King. On three. One, two, three. Put your hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. First John chapter 4, verse 9 says, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Verse 10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loves you. You are loved. You are cherished. You have purpose. You are redeemed. You belong to God. You are His. Your name is written on his heart. Somebody needs to hear that today. Your past does not define you. Your mistakes do not define you. The things you're most shamed about, those things do not define you. You know what does define you is that you are covered, you are changed, you are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. I'm so glad you're here today, church. You serve an amazing God. And I believe God has a word for each one of us today. So I encourage you right now as we pray, open your heart to God and give him permission to speak into your life whatever he wants to. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your love for us. It goes beyond understanding. We could never do anything to earn it, Lord. It's a free gift. It's unconditional. We praise you, Father God. We ask you right now in this room, would you meet with us? Would you encourage us? Would you give us a word? God, I pray, would you push me aside and allow your words to be heard? Use me as a vessel, Lord, and that's it. And I pray that all of us would receive your word here today. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And Thorn Creek Church said, Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Church, you can have a seat. Thank you so much for worshiping uh, here today. Um, welcome to church. Aren't you glad you came today? An amazing song, isn't it? I love that line in the song. Um, if grace were an ocean, we are all just sinking. We're just drowning and sinking in the love of God. Oh, I wanted to share this with you guys. Um, I got a text from one of our um, high school students after just this last service. I asked him if, he, if I could share this text with you all. I was so encouraged by how the Lord moved. He said, thank you for praying after, oh, how he loves us. Honestly, I did not know how much grace and love and compassion God has had for me in a while. You opened my eyes, and I just want to say thank you. I really needed it, and I did not know how much I did. Isn't that profound? It's from one of our high school students. I'm so encouraged just about him and, and I've known him for a long time and what God's doing in his in his life um, 
But that last line, you know, he's like, I, I didn't know how much I needed that. And I think that's true for a lot of us. We may not know how much we need this. You may not know how much you need a word from God, but God's going to give it to you. He's going to give it to you today, I believe. I'm going to start preaching before I, before I get to talk about this too long. Um, my name's Nick McCall. I'm the worship pastor here, our lead pastor, Reuben. Pastor Reuben will be back next week. So if you don't like me, just come back next week and you'll hear from him. Um, but for now, you're stuck with me, so don't get up and leave. That, that might hurt my feelings a little bit. Just kidding. Um, I, I've got you all here captive. So thank you so much for being here. Pastor Reuben and his wife, Grace, are um, in Texas. They're leading a, a marriage conference um, for pastors and, and other leaders in the church there in Texas. So it's a pretty cool opportunity that he and his wife, Grace, have. And they've modeled beautifully what it looks like to have a God-honoring marriage. And so God is just using them there. Uh, but he'll be back next weekend. Um, before we get too far into this message, though, I want to talk just briefly about Feed 5000. It's coming up. Uh, if you've been at Thorn Creek for a while, uh, you're familiar with Feed 5000, something we've been doing for a long time. If you're brand new to us and have no idea what this is about, it's a wonderful event where we come together, Thorn Creek Church, Food for Hope. We work together to put together meals that we will then distribute to people in our community for the holiday Thanksgiving season. Um, I want to make sure I get these stats right. We're going to be serving close to 10,000 people. I know it says feed 5,000, but I think we're, we're, we're passing that. Close to 10,000 people uh, that we, all of us, you included in these seats, are going to participate in and be involved in. Um, we will be putting together 2,300 boxes of food. That's amazing. 2,300 boxes of food. And these, these boxes are going to be distributed to close to 30 different locations. That's a lot. So it, it takes all of us. So there's, there's a lot of ways you can help out. Uh, we as a church, we've signed up to, to sponsor 300 boxes. So that's, that's our, what we're responsible for. We're currently at 114 boxes. We are almost halfway there, and it's only October. It's not even November yet, so we're doing well. Um, but I'd like to encourage you to participate. You can sponsor a box that will feed an entire family a Thanksgiving meal for $35. If you can find $35 and help out, it'll sponsor a meal that will go to a family this Thanksgiving season. It's a cool, tangible way for you to just, you know, participate and be part of what God is doing. So I encourage you, you can do that at feed5000.gives. Uh, you can go there and you can, you can sponsor a box there. We do ask, make this on top of your regular tithes and offerings. We still have our regular operations we have to take care of, and we're doing this on top of that. So please do this as a, as a separate item. Um, and it's a, it's a wonderful thing, wonderful way for you to help out in, in what God is doing in our community of Food for Hope, which, by the way, is just growing. It's just amazing what God is doing there. Um, also, before we get started, our, our ladies just got back from a women's retreat uh, a week ago, and we put together this video so you can see a little bit of what they experienced. So go ahead and check this out. Spectrums of darkness and light But I'm losing my way And I'm losing my mind I can't see the truth Help me see the truth Was out here in the dark Underneath the canopy of stars Constellations Face. The memory of sun that been shining for days You've already been in this desolate place You've already been hearing you've made a way Pembrokes of glory strung out across the sky Memories of darkness undone by the light Reminding me you were right here by my side You're here by my side You're here by my side Out here in the dark Underneath the
can you give it up for our amazing women's ministry here? I'm told they had an amazing time up at women's retreat. This happens every year if you've never gone um, and you're a woman. You can go next year. Um, yeah, let me, uh, let me pray for us and we'll, we'll get into this message. Lord, thank you so much um, for just all that you do. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you for your presence already with us this morning. As we just sang together, how much you love us. It's overwhelming to think about, Lord, how much you love us. God, right now, um, would you give us your word and uh, speak through me, Lord, give me your word. And I pray that we receive what it is you have to say to us today. I pray against any distractions, um, any discouraging thoughts. Uh, we just banish those right now in the name of Jesus. And we ask, Lord, make room for you to move here today. Have your way in us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, today we're going to talk about the most powerful weapon on earth. Probably didn't expect that in the first sentence of the message, but we're going to talk about the most powerful weapon on earth here today. Each one of us possesses this deadly weapon that has the power and potential to create all kinds of problems and division. In fact, this weapon has been used to divide families, to divide churches, businesses, even entire nations. This weapon has been used. It's torn our world apart and continues to tear our world apart every single day. It's more powerful than chemical warfare, more powerful than a nuclear bomb, and it's been around for a long, long time and has been creating division for its entire existence. Scripture says it has the power of life and death. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, the tongue can bring life or death. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Today we're going to talk about our tongue. We're going to talk about words. We're going to get personal with words. We're going to talk all kinds of stuff. So get ready, buckle up. Here we go together. I think this is a message that really all of us can relate with on some level. Um, but the reality is all of us have a, an incredible responsibility to use this thing, the tongue, to use our words for good and not for evil. And, and we all have the ability to do that. You can choose the kind of person you want to be. Do you want to be a person who's encouraging, uplifting, or do you want to be a person who's discouraging? Do you want to be someone who's always positive or someone who's always negative and always critical? Do you want to be known for the way you've encouraged others or for the way you've torn others down? Do you want to be known for having a hot temper or do you want to be known for being cool, calm, and collected? What do you want to do? Who do you want to be known for? How do you want to live your life? It's your choice that only you can make. No one else can close your mouth for you. That's between you and the Lord. If you are the type of person who always wants to have the last word, you will also be the person who has left a wake of destruction to all who are behind you. If you always have to have the last word, just know you're going to have a long line of people that you've hurt. Because what it takes to have the last word is you finally got to get to a point where you reach something personal where the other person just stops talking. That's how you win. The argument. If all you want to do is win the argument, you're going to hurt a lot of people. And what's difficult about words is once they're spoken, once they're out there, you can't take them back. Even to say things like, wait, I didn't mean to say that. Well, it's too late. You, you said it. Whether you meant to or not, there was some truth behind it. There was some intention behind it. And you said it. You can't take them back. And the words that you have said will live much longer than you in the memories and minds of others. Words can hurt or words can build up. But by God's grace, God can bring redemption. God can bring healing. God can bring forgiveness to any situation. Any word that's been spoken, God can fix it. God can redeem it on both sides. The title of today's message is Words I Regret. Words I Regret. Maybe you have a list of words you regret saying. Maybe you know what it feels like to cut others down. Maybe you're, you're kind of proud of the fact that you can, you can make anyone quiet because you're just, you're just louder and you got more to say and you just maybe take pride in that. Maybe you're someone who shuts down easy. Someone says one thing and you're done. Oftentimes you are that way because you've been spoken to negatively enough in your life that you've just learned to shut down. That to me is really sad. And, and I want to talk about how God can redeem 
that person, any person today. God can help a person who, who tends to speak a lot. God can help a person who's been hurt. God is good for all of us and, and helps us all out. Can you remember a time when someone said something to you that was hurtful? If you close your eyes and think back on that moment, can you picture what they were wearing? Can you picture the look on their face as they said those hurtful remarks, those hurtful words to you? Can you remember exactly how you felt? If you answered yes to that, you still have an open wound. It hasn't healed. It's still there. It can be healed. It can be redeemed. If you're, if you're the other type of person, can you think of a time when you said something to somebody you regret saying? You got highly emotional. You got angry. And you went to that place. And you said those words. Can you remember the look on their face as you shattered them with your words? Can you remember that? Do you beat yourself up over that? I have good news for you. God can heal. God can forgive. God can bring redemption into those situations. Um, there are two types of people in this room. I, I just kind of talked about them. You've either the person who's been hurt a lot by words that have been spoken to you, or you're the person who you, maybe you've said a lot of things to others that have hurt them or wronged them. If you're the first type of, of person, you know, if you're the person where you just regret a lot of words you've said, I want you to know that God is super restorative. That, that your whole past doesn't just discount your entire future. That God can redeem. I know I keep saying that word, but I'm going to keep saying it because I think it's a great word. And I think it's super appropriate for what we're talking about. God is restorative. God can bring healing. But you've got to work with him. There is hope that God can use those words for good and not for evil. If you're the second type, where you're just living with hurt due to words spoken over you, I have great news for you. Those words that were spoken over you do not define you. Amen. And you've got to think about this too. Those words that were spoken over you, they were not coming from a place of truth. They were coming from the father of lies. They came from the depths of hell itself and came out and they were spoken over you. But guess what? Those things do not define you. They did not come from a place of truth, so you do not have to live under the shadow of what's been spoken over you. You are a new creation. You are a child of God. You are who God says you are. You are defined by the words in this book and by the thoughts that God has for you and nothing else, period. Whatever's been spoken over you is done. And you can, you can heal from that. You do not have to continue to think those things. And the words that you say to yourself are super important. If you are constantly discouraging yourself because of what's been spoken over you, you got to learn to encourage yourself. The words we speak to ourselves are so important. And some of you have a hard time. I'm just going to go to this place now. Some of you have a hard time speaking anything encouraging over yourself because you've just been told time and time again all the negative things that people have thought about you. And you've begun to believe them. And now you have a hard time saying anything positive about yourself. I want to encourage you with something. God can use this as a story of redemption in your life. God can use all the negative things that have been spoken over you and make it a testimony of what God has done in your life. This person that you once were, you are not that person. Because God has redeemed you and restored you. Amen? Isn't that good? God is good. God is in the, in the business of healing and restoring. You know, our words matter. Our matter. The fact is, people are moldable. Even the toughest person you know. Maybe you're the tough person. The toughest person you know is still created by God, which means they're relational, which means they're moldable. We are shaped by the, by the relationships, by our experiences, and by the words that are spoken over us. We are shaped by them. They're a big part of who we are. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I think that um, reckless is the perfect word to be used there in terms of when we speak without thinking, when we speak without realizing how our words truly impact other people. Reckless is a perfect word here. The definition of reckless is without thinking, or caring about the consequences of an action. That's the literal definition of reckless. So if we apply that to how we speak, if you speak recklessly, you are speaking without caring how your words are going to impact this person that you're talking to. 
That's called reckless speech. In fact, you may be okay with the fact that they get hurt a little bit. Maybe you're trying to drive the knife a little bit. That's speaking recklessly. To speak without thinking is like walking through an antique store, carrying a hammer, blindfolded. You're almost guaranteed to break something that will never truly be the same. Has anybody ever been to an antique store before? You guys know what they look like? I have a bone to pick with them. Why are the aisles always so small? Everything's so close together. Everything's on like really fragile glass shelves. I mean, you're like almost certain if you walk out of there without dropping anything, it's like that's a win. And everything's like, you know, super old. Like this is a 120-year-old chalice. Please don't break it. Um, it's crazy. But that's, that's kind of what speaking recklessly is like. It's like I'm just going to, you know, walk around and swing this thing. And whatever I break, it doesn't matter. Whoever I break, it doesn't matter. Because I just want to get the last word. Because I'm proud of my speech. Because I'm proud of who I am. And if you're offended by my words, that's your fault. It's not mine. That's reckless. That's reckless. It's not loving. It pierces like swords. If you're reckless with your words, you're going to have a long list of words you regret. And maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but one day you're going to grow up. And you're going to wise up and you're going to reflect on your life. And you're going to look around and you're not going to have very many people around you. You're going to feel a little bit alone, and you're going to wonder why, and then you're going to start to realize the way you treated people. The way you speak matters. The words you share will live forever in the memories of those who you speak them to. So be careful with the words that you spoke. Now, some of you, you have a long list of words you regret saying, but you also recognize that was like 15 years ago, or 10 years ago, or five years ago. That's not me anymore. I'm not that person anymore. And some of you can celebrate the fact that, yes, you were once an angry person. You once spoke a lot of negative and, and, and hurtful things, but you've recognized that's not you anymore. You've been redeemed. So you can let yourself go. You can set yourself free from past hurts, and you can trust God that God is working on, on healing the people that you've spoken to. That God is working in their hearts. That God is shaping them. God is, is going to bring a story of love, forgiveness, and redemption. Maybe you were once reckless, but now you're careful. Listen to this. Your new life in Christ will outweigh your past. The love of God always redeems. Your new life weighs more than your past life. Your new life covers your past life. Does that make sense? You do not, you're not that person anymore. It's okay. You are forgiven, and God will work everything out. The people you've hurt, God will work it out. God will make it right. You may need to do your part. You may need to make a few phone calls, have a few honest conversations. You need to apologize. You need to make things right. And they may or may not forgive you. I don't know. But at least all you can do is, is do your part in, in, um, in, in trusting that God is working in your life. I want to ask you a question. When's the last time you said something you regret saying? Did you get in an argument on the way to church today with your spouse? With your kids? Did you say something you regret? Was it this last week at work? Did you lose your cool on somebody? Was it when you were on hold with customer service for hours and hours because they're trying to tell you, you owe this bill that you don't actually owe any money on and you just lost your cool? Anybody relating with me on any of this stuff? You ever say, when was the last time you said something you regret? I want to share a story with you. God is pretty funny. You know that? God is pretty funny the way he works. Um, I was asked to preach this message, knowing this title, weeks ago, maybe, maybe even two months ago. And um, the title of this message is Words I Regret. And this last week, I, uh, I had a phone conversation. I'm just going to share a brief story with you. My and I'm not proud of this conversation. I'll, just, I'll start there. But I want to be transparent with you. I want to be real with you um, about my, 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 my conversation. So my wife had this dentist appointment scheduled. It was supposed to be like a three-hour dentist appointment, so it was, it was kind of a big deal. I mean, they, they couldn't take any other appointments. They, they blocked everything out for this appointment. They were, they were riding on this for that day. Um, personal side note, we have two children. We have a year-and-a-half-old and a, a two-and-a-half-month-old in our house. Our two-and-a-half-month-old is just having a hard time taking a bottle right now. Um, for those of you who are parents in the room, you've gone through this, you know how incredibly stressful this, this, this is and this can be. So the night before the appointment, we're trying, I'm trying to give him a bottle, you know, we're reading online all the tips, 
I'm like alone in a room because apparently he can smell her if she's somewhere in the room, which I didn't even know that was possible. Babies are like animals, I think. Um, but he could like sense her in the room. So I, I took him upstairs in a room that she's not normally in. So I thought, you know, maybe her smell won't be or whatever. And he just wouldn't take it. And it's very stressful. He's screaming and I just want to help him. Anyways, I'm telling you too much about that. Let me get back to the story. So we called the morning of, which I know, it was not good. It was not good on our part. I feel bad about that. But we called in the morning of, she canceled the appointment. Or she wanted to reschedule the appointment. After she got off the phone, this receptionist, um, my wife comes to me just in tears about the way she was you know, spoken to from this receptionist. And I get in protective husband mode pretty quick. And I'm like, they said what? I, I can't believe, and, and I start rehearsing in my mind, like what I'm gonna say when I call this receptionist. I told her, I said, I'm gonna call and I'm gonna talk to them. So I called. Uh, this this office, and um, you know, I I uh, I questioned this receptionist because this person said things to my wife like, um, "Well, this is a problem. You need to uh, you need to call your pediatrician about this. You need to get this figured out." She said, um, "She said, well, how do we know this isn't going to be a problem by your next appointment?" Um, yeah, and then and then she just let her know how much of an inconvenience it was. So I called. And I'm saying things like, do you normally shame mothers about the way they, they parent their children? Um, I start, all I wanted was for her to just have a little bit of ownership, a little bit of responsibility, you know, and, and there wasn't any, there was, there was zero remorse. Um, the response to me was, I'm sorry your wife took it like that. That's not what I said, which that's not a real apology, right? Don't ever say that. Just because sorry is in the phrase doesn't make it an apology. Um, anyways. So eventually, you know, I'm getting, I'm talking over her. I'm talking louder than her. I'm getting worked up. I'm not proud of this. And so finally she just hung up on me, which I don't know if I blame her. Um, so I gave her five minutes and I called back. And uh, I thanked her for hanging up on me. I said, thank you. Um, you can take us off your, off your books. We're done. We're never coming back here. And it's all because of you. I mean, I literally, I said it just like that. Said, you can tell your doctor this is your fault. And uh, two hours later, the doctor calls me and he apologizes for her, which I really appreciated. That was a very kind gesture. And he tells me that she's been like useless ever since the conversation. She's been crying, she can't even do her job. So I feel like this big. I'm like, I'm a monster. I'm horrible. Um, I felt horrible. Up until that point, I felt good. I was like, yeah, I defended my wife, I defended my, you know, woo. Go me. Um, I'm not proud of that now. So I, I call back a few days later to try to apologize. And the doctor answers the phone. And I thought, that's weird. Don't you have receptionists that answer the phone? Why does the doctor answer the phone? And I realized then, oh, they probably recognize my number. They you know, put a big red X on my profile or something. When, it, when I call, there's a big alarm goes off or something. Um, and the doctor, I, I told him, I said, hey, I would, I'd like to just apologize to your receptionist for the way I spoke to her. And he said, okay, well, give me a second. Let me talk to her. So he goes and talks to her. And then he comes back on the phone and he says, you know, I think it would be better if you just sent us an email. She doesn't really want to talk to you. So now I'm just the monster. I'm this horrible, you know, I handled it horribly. And truthfully, here's how I feel about the whole conversation. I think I, I did the right thing by calling. But I think I could have handled myself better over the phone, you know? I think I let my emotions get involved. It's hard not to when it's your spouse and involves your children. It's, it's hard not to. I'm human. But I just, I want to live my life in such a way that I honor God in, in, in all of my interactions with people. And I know that's hard to do all the time. But I want to do the right thing. So I wanted to call and I wanted to make it right. But unfortunately, I can't. She knows how I feel now. And, and that's, that's, I just have to leave it at that. We can never go there again. You know, we're, there's probably pictures on the wall of my face or something. Uh, we can never go there again. But I regret the conversation. I do. Um, if I could go back, I would have handled myself differently. And I know this is probably a more mild case, but, but still, I let my emotions get in the way. And I think that's what I wanted to apologize for. And I think all of us, it's easy to do, right? We have to be careful not to, not to allow our emotions drive our conversations and the way that we talk to people. One of the biggest lies ever told. I don't know who came up with this, this lie or why, but the lie is sticks and stones may break my bones, but 
Words will never hurt me. Who said that? I want to talk to them because that's just not true. Words hurt deep. Actually, they hurt a lot. Um, and perhaps a, a more accurate phrase would be sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can make me think I deserve it. That's a more accurate phrase, right? Words cut deeper. Words cut to this deep place within us that no physical weapon could ever touch. And the wounds from words can last a lifetime. They don't, they don't always heal like, like bones do. You know what happens to a, when you break a bone, what happens? It grows back stronger than it was before in that spot. It's even stronger. It's more reinforced. When, when we're cut by words, that can be a wound that's there forever. And then people who don't even know you, now you have certain triggers, right? You have certain things that, that hurt that wound, that reopen it or make it bigger or just put salt in it. And people that don't know you, they can accidentally pour salt on that wound. Some people will, on purpose, pour salt in that wound. It's important for us to speak to others in a way that's life-giving. It's important for us to be careful. Before you try to win an argument, I know it's hard to do in the, in the, in the heat of the moment, in the heat of an argument, but ask yourself, do I want these words repeated back to me in the future? Do I want to have to apologize for saying what I'm about to say right now? Do I really want to feel the guilt I'm going to feel if I say this right now? Ask yourself that question before you throw that comment out there, before you win the argument, and you may know how to win the argument. Before you do that, ask yourself, do I really want to live with this guilt? Do I want to cause permanent wounds? Do I really want to inflict you know, pain on this person? It's almost always better to just close your mouth. It really is. It's almost always better to practice self-control and don't say it. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27 says, The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Honestly, sometimes the best thing you can do is just close your mouth. Like, use your words with restraint. Be careful with what you say. What I've learned is you can learn a lot about what a person is going through if you just pay close attention to what they're saying. Most of the time, the argument or what they're upset about is not really about the way you loaded the dishwasher. It's usually not really about that. There's usually something deeper underlying, and it's resurfacing because of, you know, you put the plates on top or whatever. You put them in the wrong place. It's resurfacing because of that, but typically there's something much deeper going on. So the way you diffuse that moment is you say, hey, you don't normally act like this. What's going on? Is there, did you have a hard day? Did you have a hard week? Are you stressed? What's, what's going on? And then what happens is you just disarm that whole argument and you open up an opportunity to have a beautiful conversation where you then avoid saying some things you might regret. Pay attention to what people are saying. Before you speak recklessly, take a moment to listen to what is really being said below the surface. Just take a moment to listen. I want to talk to the married couples just for a second. This applies to everybody, but I'm going to use married couples as an example because I think this fits really well. Um, you probably know your spouse better than anyone else in the world. Would you agree with that? I mean... Aside to maybe a, maybe a mother or a sister or something like that, but you probably know your spouse better than just about anybody, which means you probably know their insecurities better than just about anybody. You probably know the things they're ashamed of probably better than just about anybody. You know the things that upset them, that bother them. So you have a responsibility to not go there. You have a responsibility to not use that against them because that's just cruel. And all you're doing is trying to win the argument. But what you're doing is you're putting the knife in and you're just twisting that knife. And it's only to win the argument. You have a responsibility to not go there. Don't do it. Stay away from that area. Listen, guys, life is hard enough. Can I just, you guys with me? Life is hard enough. And you and your spouse are, are a partnership through this difficult life. You guys are on the same team. You have the same goals in mind. You love each other. You love your children. You love your, your life, your situation. Don't work against each other. Don't hurt each other. 
You're going to get in arguments, but there are certain topics you need to stay away from. There are certain phrases you need to not say. And don't use them just because you're trying to win. You're trying to get the last word. Be okay with, with just being quiet. Don't use their, their insecurities against them. When you choose to pause to be silent, you're choosing to be wise. So don't say the first response that enters your mind. That's called just being reckless. Just stay away from it. Proverbs 13.3 says, Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Managing your tongue is everything. Those who manage their words have self-control. I'm going to be real with you. You can't say you have self-control if you can't control your tongue. If you are constantly saying things you shouldn't have said, putting your foot in your mouth, if you're constantly apologizing, you need to work on yourself. You need to work on your self-control. You need to work on your tongue. Control it or it will bring ruin to the people that you love. This also applies to, the, to, to your, your presence on social media. Okay, I'm going to talk about this because I, I think it's prominent. I think it's relevant to, to many of us in the room as many of us use it. And I want to step on some toes just for a second. I want to talk to the Christians in the room. Christians, followers of Jesus, can we stop with all the rants on Facebook, please? Like, can we stop posting hurtful comments and hurtful questions on people's thread just to try to, like, you know, feel good about ourselves? Can we stop dragging our brothers and sisters through the mud publicly on social media? Can we stop mocking political figures because we don't like them or we're just going to tear them down? Even reposting memes or videos that mock the people that you don't like, that's, you're still doing the same thing. You're still hurting. Um, listen, we have one purpose in this life. All of us, Christians, followers of Jesus, you have one purpose in this life, and that purpose is to build the kingdom of heaven. That purpose is to take as many people with you to heaven as you possibly can. And posting about what you saw on the news, posting your political opinion, stuff you're upset about, is not helping to advance the kingdom of God at all. It's creating division. So when your cousin Sally makes a post on Facebook about something she saw on the news, just leave it alone. Don't post it. Don't Just use some self-control. Use some restraint. Remember who you represent. And your presence on social media, you still represent Jesus there. It's not just in person. You represent Jesus on there too. So can we stop ranting, please? Christians should be known for one thing. We should be known for our love and our action. That's it. It doesn't say Christians are known for their Facebook ranting. No, Christians are known for their love, should be known for their love. And, and just to be real with you for a second, you know how hard it is to get people in these seats week after week? You know that churches all around the U.S. are struggling in general right now? Did you know in general the average attendance in churches in the United States is declining? Thorn Creek is actually growing. It's a really exciting time. We're kind of against the, yeah, it's really exciting. We're growing, um, seeing more people come. But the church in general in the U.S. is declining. And do you think that all those rants, the way that we talk about people, the way we drag people through the mud and then call ourselves Christian, do you think you're helping the cause? Do you think you're helping the mission God has given you? Instead of posting hate... Why don't you try posting something encouraging? Why don't you try to uplift instead of tear down? Why don't you try to be obedient to the calling God has given you in your life? And stop dragging your brothers and sisters through the mud. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to like them. You don't have to vote for them. But you do have to recognize they are a child of God just like you. They are a sinner in need of grace just like you. And they need your prayers more than your hate. They need your prayers. So pray for them. Pray for our leaders. Pray for people. And let's end this stereotype that Christians are hypocritical. Let's end the stereotype that Christians are judgmental, that they're hateful. Because it's not helping the church. It's not helping the call we have to build up the kingdom of heaven. So be an example of love. I, uh, I, read a, I came across an article 
um, written by a, a woman named Kayla Zilch, and the article was titled, Hey Christians, I've Got a Bone to Pick with Your Facebook Rants. That was an amazing title to this article. And then the whole article is all about, she's, she's essentially calling out Christians and calling them to action. She's, she's calling out this false sense of accomplishment that Christians have for making a post about a particular issue that they don't like in the world. And she's saying, you're not doing anything helpful. You're not advancing the kingdom. You're, you're hiding behind your phone screen, sitting on your couch in the comfort of your own home, but you're not doing anything for the kingdom of God. So she's saying, stop posting and start getting out there and doing things. She, uh, she said this, she said, um, this, the false sense of accomplishment we get when we are validated on social media doesn't create change. Your status doesn't create change. Your comment thread doesn't create change. This post doesn't create change. It can only inspire it. You are the change. If change is going to happen in the world, people, Christians, followers of Christ, it's going to start here in this room. It's going to start with you and with me taking the calling that God has given us in our life seriously to get out there and show people that the love of God is better than anything else. That the love of God is real. That the life God has for them is better than the life they have for themselves. To encourage people to follow Jesus, that's our calling. That's our job. So get out there, all of us, myself included. We need to get out there and do it. Proverbs 18.2 says, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. In other words, fools don't really want to know what, what's, what you're saying. They just want you to hear their opinion on things. They don't really care about understanding the issue. They just want you to hear their opinion. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Take pride in understanding and listening you don't always have to share your opinions about everything. I know you're probably really smart. You probably got a lot of wisdom. But there's a time and a place. There's a time for us to close our mouths and there's a time for us to speak. I'm not saying Christians should lay down on the floor and be walked all over. I think there's a time and a place to stand up. I think there's a time and a place to speak truth. But I think it takes wisdom to know when that time is. When is time to close my mouth and when is time for me to speak? And that takes just time. Walking with the Lord, growing in wisdom, growing in understanding. Until we start thinking about our own voice as a means to build the kingdom of heaven, we will continue to abuse the purpose for which it has been given. Until we start thinking about our voice as a, as a tool, as a means to build up the kingdom of heaven, we will abuse the purpose for which it's been given. God's given you a voice for a reason. Go show the world how good God is. Go talk to people about what God has done in your life. Use your words as a tool to build the kingdom of heaven. James chapter 3 says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. It's a world of wickedness. I'm going to give you some context that will probably change the meaning of this passage for you. James chapter 3, this section, one commentator was saying that it was written to leaders in the church about the way they were teaching people in their congregations. Wow. There was concern of there was false teaching. There was false prophets. There was bad teaching that was being taught. And, and early on in James chapter 3, the first verse talks about how teachers are judged more strictly because people listen and they want to learn. So if you find yourself in a position where you're teaching parents, that's you. You've got children you're teaching. You got to be careful. Me right now, I have to be super careful with what I'm doing right here. I have to be careful to make sure what I'm teaching is good. But this applies to all of us. You know, it uses an example of a, of a large ship and a horse, both using small things to control the direction in which they're going. Just as something so small can control something so large and powerful, a seemingly insignificant comment can shape the course and the direction of a person's life. That small comment you made when you were tired 
that small comment you made when you were hungry, that small comment you made when you were angry, that has the potential to shape the course of a person's life. Parents, we got to be careful the way we talk to our kids. They're so moldable, and they're soaking everything up. we got to be careful because we can, you know, change the course of their life. For those of you, you know, your relationships with people you know, be careful with your words. For you will be known for and remembered by the words you have said. At the end of your life, when people are all gathering around talking about you after you've passed, they're going to talk about the things you were known for. They're going to talk about the things they remember about you. And ask yourself, do you want them to remember well? They were always really critical. They always had something negative to say. They didn't really like much. It was, it was difficult to make them laugh. It was difficult to be around them because they just, you know, or do you want to be remembered as somebody who they always encouraged me? They, they believed in me. They were there for me. I watched them encourage other people. I loved being around them. Which kind of a person do you want to be? What do you want to be known for and remembered by? Are you quick to gossip any chance you get? Every time you hear something, are you tempted to just go and tell somebody else? What, what was told to you. Let me tell you something. Those of you who, who find yourselves gossiping a lot, the people around you, they're paying attention and they're thinking, I can't trust you. There are people in my life I will never tell personal things to because they have told me things that I never should have heard. And let me just give you a tip. If you feel like you need to say, don't tell anybody I told you this, but don't say it. That's your cue. Don't say it. It should not be said, period. Because chances are what's going to happen is it's going to make its way around. It's going to come back to you, and it's going to end up hurting the person you were trying not to hurt in the first place, and it's going to hurt them even more because it didn't even come from you. Be careful. You, our, our words have so much potential to create so much damage. We need to practice silence and self-control. Those words do not have to be said. You do not have to share their personal story. They shared that with you in confidence. Even if you hear something, it wasn't even from that person directly, don't keep it going. Oh, I heard. Someone told me that they are. Can you believe? Don't do that. You're, you're adding fuel to the fire. Gemma Troy, she said, remember, your words can plant gardens or burn whole forests down. Your words have the potential to create life or destroy it. You can encourage or discourage, but you hold all the potential. Your words matter. Knowing when to speak and when to be quiet is a sign of spiritual maturity. James chapter 3, verses 7 through 10 says, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Out of you know, the same mouth that we praise God this morning, we just did. If you sang the lyrics in these songs, you, know, you, you praised God. From the same mouth, we praise God, and then we curse those who are made in God's image. You see how backwards and silly that is? We praise God and then we curse those he loves and created. Say, God, I love you. And then we say to somebody else, I hate you. And it's not right. It's not meant to be. We got to work on taming our tongue. And, and I know this, this passage says that nobody can tame the tongue. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. That doesn't mean we can't work on managing our, ourselves now. It doesn't mean we can't work on, like, let's limit as much as possible the, the bad things that we say. And when we do find ourselves saying the wrong thing, let's apologize for it. Let's make it right. I want to have clean hands and a pure heart before God. I want to I live with no regrets. I don't want to go to my grave, you know, with conversations I should have had. The time is now. Make it right. Work on taming your tongue. Work on, on, on being quiet, because I think it's better to be quiet than to open our mouths. Because once those words have spoken, they can never be taken back. For it only takes a few seconds to say a few words that will leave wounds for years to come. It's that one moment 
that one conversation, and that can leave wounds for years to come. Practice self-control. Don't say it. Don't say it. Keep it in, for it can leave wounds that will last. Proverbs 18, verse 13 says, To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. See, it requires patience and discipline to listen before you speak. Practice listening before speaking. Practice paying attention to what's really going on in the heart of that person. Maybe they're saying things that are cues to you that tell you, you know what, there's something more going on here. Be a person who listens more than you speak. Listen more than you speak. James says we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Many of us do that backwards. We're not even listening. We're already thinking about our remark before they're even done talking. And we're quick to speak and we're quick to become angry. Scripture says be slow to speak, slow to become angry. Listen more than you talk. Don't be thinking about your next point. Listen to where they're coming from. We can't change the fact that the tongue is a source of evil, but we can choose to speak more carefully. It all flows from the heart anyway. Do you know that? It all flows from our hearts anyway. Matthew chapter 15 says, But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. For it is out of the heart that these things flow. It is out of the heart that anger comes up. It is out of the heart that we slander. It is out of the heart that we steal. It is out of the heart. And what does that say about us in our heart? What is this, what's this whole message about? In order to control our tongue, we need to manage our heart. Manage our heart because, because the, the tongue is the tattletale of the heart. Your tongue will tell on you every time. So now, when you find yourself apologizing often or regretting often, you need to ask yourself, how am I doing? Why am I acting like this? Something's changed in me. I haven't always been this way. What's, what's going on? Why am I feeling all of this stuff? You need to check your heart. And, and the first thing you need to do when managing your heart is you got to spend time in the Word of God. Scripture says in Hebrews that the Word of God is alive and active. It's the living Word of God. It is the breath of God on pages. So it makes sense that if I want my heart to be in a good place, I need to align my heart with God. And the way I do that is by spending time in His living Word. It's the most important thing. If you find yourself speaking things often that are hurtful, your heart is in a dangerous place. You're seeing warning signs all over. It's time to make something happen. It's time to fix it. It's time to surrender and spend some time with the Lord. It's time to align your heart with God. For Psalm chapter 19 verse 4 says, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Make that your prayer. Put that as your wallpaper on your phone screen. Write it on your bathroom mirror. Put it in your car. Put it, put it on your fridge. Put it somewhere you're going to see that often and make this your prayer. Do this for God and for nobody else. Say, God, I want my words to please you. God, I want the meditation of my heart to please you. I want to do this all for you. For if you are pleasing God with your words and you're pleasing God with your heart, you're, you're not going to be hurting people around you because you're going to be speaking the way God would have you speak. Work on your heart. If somebody you know and love, you're noticing a change in them, you have a responsibility to call them on it. Hey, you've been really irritable lately. What's going on? You don't normally snap on me like that. That was, that was odd. What's going on? What are you dealing with? It opens up this beautiful conversation. Make this your prayer. Obsess over this. If you regret some things you've said, if you're sitting here and you're like, if I could have that conversation back, if I could go back five years ago and change the way I spoke to them, here's what I would do. If you're feeling like that today, I want you to set yourself free. 
because God is already setting you free. And what's really cool to think about is that God is going to use that for a testimony of his grace in their life. And God is going to use it for a testimony of his redemptive power in yours. Although you said those things once, they are not who you are anymore. They don't have to be who you are for the rest of today. Even if it was this morning, you can change. And that is not going to define you. It's not going to define them. For you are a child of God. And God is working on your testimony of redemption right now. God is working on using you as an agent of his healing purposes right now. God is good. He's in the business of restoring people. You are not defined by that conversation. You are not defined by that person that you once were. That is not who you are. You are not held captive to your past mistakes. Set yourself free. Stop living in the shadows of your regret and move forward and live in the light and make sure the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart are pleasing to God. You do that, you're going to be just fine. You'll be just fine. Make that your prayer. Make that your focus. The worship team is about to sing a song to close out the service called, and the song is called Greater Still. And there's some truly powerful, beautiful lyrics in this song. I want to highlight a couple of them for you. But the song starts out in the very first verse by saying, you met me at my lowest moment. You saw me at my very worst. When I expected disappointment, love was all I heard. Like in that moment, you said those, those things that you regret, like that may have been your lowest moment. And when God met you there, he didn't meet you there with, with anger. He met you there with love. He met you there with redemption. He met you there with grace. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you fix this. I'm going to make this better. I'm going to work in your life. And then the song goes on and it says, My sin was deep. Your grace was deeper. Hallelujah. My shame was wide. Your arms were wider. My guilt was great. Your love was greater still. For every negative thing that you throw at God, God throws something even more positive right back at you. For every moment of regret, God has a bigger moment of redemption. For every hurtful word you've spoken, God has 10 more encouraging words to throw right back at you and the person you said them to. God is a God of redemption, of redeeming, of making of making bad things good. God is in the business of nothing is wasted. He will use every, every conversation, every circumstance for his good, for his purposes, for his glory, and for his name. Now your job is to work on the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart. Make sure those are pleasing to God and you'll, you'll do just fine. I want us to close in prayer today. If you're dealing with some words of regret, it's going to be okay. God's going to make it right. But you just need to surrender and allow him to work. Let's pray. God, you are a God of redemption. You are a God who makes all things new. You are a God through whom nothing is wasted. No conversation is wasted. And God, you use all those things for your good, for your glory and for your purposes. And Lord, you make all things new. I thank you, Lord, that we are a new creation. We are new in your love. I thank you that you're working in our lives, God. I pray for the person who's sitting here who's dealing with hurtful words that have spoken over them. Would you show them, God, that that's not who they are? Would you show them you have a greater purpose in their life than the words that have been spoken over them? Would you show them the plans and the purposes that you have for them? For the person who's here today who said a lot of things they regret saying, God, would you help them to forgive themselves? Remind them you've forgiven them and you've got greater purposes for them. You're ready to move forward with them. God, would you help them get to that place? And for the person who's here today who wants to give their life to Jesus, it's the best decision you'll ever make. I want to invite you to do that right now. Just say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender to you. You are my Savior. I have a lot of regrets in my life, but I believe you can make them right. So God, I give you everything right now. For the first time in my life, God, I give you everything. 
You have all of me now, God. You are my savior. I am a follower of Jesus. But God, I need some help because I don't know what I'm doing. Would you help me? Would you surround me with people that will help me? I want to follow you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for working in this room. Thank you that your love is great. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.